Throughout my lifetime I have heard Christian leaders say over and over again that the existence of God cannot be proven. Instead they have argued that a belief in God must be based on a leap of faith. Well our special guest this week, a renowned Christian author, says that is not true. He argues that the existence of God can be proven. Stay tuned for a fascinating and enlightening interview with Pastor Carl Gallops. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest with us today. He is Carl Gallops, the author of a best-selling book called The Magic Man in the Sky. Carl is a longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, and that's in the panhandle of Florida near Pensacola. Additionally, he's a conference speaker, evangelist, and prominent radio talk show host. And as I said before, he is the author of this best-selling book called The Magic Man in the Sky. It is one of the best books I've read in recent years, and the moment I finished reading it, I called Carl and invited him to appear on this program. Last week, we discussed with Carl the meaning of the competing biblical and secular worldviews. And if you missed that program, you can find it on our website at lamblion.com. So, Pastor Gallops, welcome back to Nathan, Christ in Prophecy. Thank you so much for having me. Carl, uh, one Good of the most here. interesting things in your book to me was when you began to discuss the existence of God. Yeah. As I said at the beginning of the program, you point out that most Christian leaders argue that there is no way you can prove the existence right. of God, that you've just got to take a great leap of faith and accept Him by faith. Explain your position. Yeah, thank you. Well, that is one of my favorite things to share with people. And when I do, I always prepare, especially the skeptic, I prepare them when they say something like, well, if you could prove the existence of God to me, then I would believe. But since you can't prove Him, I'm not worried about it. And, and, you know, I always prepare them by saying, look, not only can I prove it, but it's irrefutable. It's undeniable. It's indisputable. And I said, now, I just used some bodacious words on you. <laughs> but, but you the got reason, their attention. Yeah, got their attention. I said, but now, are you sure you want me to go forward? Because once I do this, you're going to have to make an eternal decision. Now, your decision can still be, no, I'm not going to accept it. But you will no longer ever be able to say, I do not believe. Now, the reason is, Dave, as you said, um, there is a, uh, for, for someone to say, well, you, can, you can't prove the existence of God. Wait a minute. Think about that logically. If there is a God, and I believe there is, if He is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent creator of the universe, and of course I believe He is, if He is the God of the Bible, and if the Bible is God's Word, and I believe all of that, then doesn't it make sense that that God could prove Himself, would prove Himself, has proven Himself? Why would a God that awesome leave himself to where you, you, we just, you, you, you can't prove his existence. Well, as a matter of fact, not only has God done that, but he declares in his word that he would do it. And he said he would do it in such a way that it would be irrefutable, indisputable. And he says that, I'm going to give you some little hints. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, he, he says, And I have done this thing so that you will know that I am God and beside me there is none other. 
Now, that's one of the first places God makes that declaration. Amen. But throughout Amen. the Bible, that declaration is made. The book of Isaiah, there are several huge declarations. Ezekiel, that same declaration is made. So what is this thing that God said? He said, I would do. Now, listen to what he said. He said, so that you will know that I am God. And beside me, there is none other. So what he's saying is, when, when I accomplish this work, then you will know I, I will have proven myself. And it's indisputable, it's irrefutable, and that not only that I'm God, but there is no other God. And the argument he begins with in Deuteronomy 4, he says, has any other God ever done such a thing as this? Has any other God taken one nation out of another nation? There's where the clue becomes. Mm -hmm. The bottom line, let me cut to the chase for your audience. The bottom line, the, the irrefutable proof of God, it's, it's found in one word. I'm going to give the word, and when I do, your audience watching will say, well, I don't understand. How's that the proof of God? But then let me explain it, and you will see. It's irrefutable. The one word for the proof of the existence of God is Israel. Now, here's, here's, here's the explanation. Because God said, in Deuteronomy, God speaking through the prophet Moses said, you're going to enter in the promised land, and here's what's going to happen. A lot of people don't realize, before they ever set foot in the promised land, God prophesied their, their entire future. Through Moses, who, by the way, Moses never set foot in the promised land. It happened through <laughs> Joshua. But Moses said, here's what's going to happen. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but you get into chapter 30, 31. He, God says, here's what's going to happen. He says this through Moses. He says, you're going to go in the land. And he says, and you're going to eat of the milk and honey of the land and the vineyards and houses that aren't yours, etc. He says, but in the future, and I'm prophesying. He said, and excuse me, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing. He says, but in the future, you're going to turn from me. And then I will scatter you and disperse you among the nations. And then he says, but in the last days I will bring you back. And I will bring you back to the land to show you my great love and to show the nations that I am God. Now I paraphrase, but that's what he says. And again, that, that, same, uh, that same declaration that God makes is found in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And, and, and so now we look at history. People say, yeah, but you're trying to prove God from the Bible. That's circular reasoning. No, 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 no. Because these words were proclaimed thousands of years before mm -hmm. the event happened. Mm -hmm. So what do we know? What is now now forget the Bible. What does history tell us? Just for, forget the Bible. Let's 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 hold on to the Bible because that's where God says, "Here's how I'm going to prove that I'm God and that this is my word and my only word and I'm the only God." All right, now lay the Bible aside. Now let's just think what happened. Well, people came out of Egypt. They settled the land. They became the nation of Israel. Who in the world doesn't know about King David? King Solomon? You know, King Saul. I mean, of course, the, the, the great and mighty uh, nation of Israel. Who doesn't know about the Assyrian? Who doesn't know about the civil war in Israel in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom? Who doesn't know about the Assyrian Empire conquering the northern kingdom and taking them into captivity? Babylon, the Babylonian Empire taking the southern kingdom, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Who doesn't know about the Persian Empire that swallows all of that up? The Greek Empire. That's, this is world history. There is no more Israel. And then the Roman Empire. There is no more Israel. But yet the prophecies continued down through the ages in the last days. The valley of the dry bones. You know, and, and, and Ezekiel looks at God. He says, who, who are these? And God says, you know, these are my people. This is the whole house of Israel that I will bring back in the last days. What? There, there was no Israel when those words were spoken. So what do we know history says? History says all of this happened. They were dispersed to the uttermost parts of the earth. But in 1948, in one day, in the book of Isaiah, there's a prophecy where mm -hmm. God says, who has ever heard of this? That sh shall, shall a nation be born in one day? That's right. Who can do that but God? 
In one day, the nation of Israel came back to their land, to their strength, to their glory. The language, if you will, it it had been there, but I mean it was restored to a national language. The, The borders are there, the strength is there, the glory is there, the power is there. They're surrounded by enemies, all of them conspiring and plotting to to destroy them. They've been attacked six or seven times in major wars, six or seven major wars, never been defeated. All of it was foretold. God said, when you see this happen, what other God has ever done such a thing? Well, all I can say not. is that when you said Israel, and I read that in your book, I was up dancing and shouting. Yeah. <laughs> because I you spent knew. my whole life talking about Israel. Right, right. And, and, and it's God's proof. The, the bottom line is that everything that happened of a major nature to the nation of Israel in history was foretold. Hundreds you will be dispersed among right. the people of the world. You will be persecuted That's everywhere right. you go. You will be preserved. What a miracle that is. Mm-hmm. You will be regathered. You will be reestablished. All the world will come right. against you. And that's where we are. And it was right. all prophesied in advance. Yeah. What further proof would that's you right. have to have that this is the Word of Hundreds God of and years. God exists? That's right. Hundreds of years before it happened, and in some cases 2,000 years before it happened, the prophecies were given. And we are the only generation in the history of the world uh, uh, historical generation to have seen it happen. What a time we're to live. living in the midst of God's proof to the world. We're without excuse. There is no God but God, and this is His word. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion with Carl Gallups, the author of a fascinating book called The Magic Man in the Sky. Carl, one of my hobbies over the years has been collecting crazy church signs. I got over 450 of them now. And uh, one of my favorites is this one right here. And it, what it does is it uses the uh, logic of the atheists against them. It says, God does not yeah. believe in atheists, therefore atheists do not exist. There you go. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, it's turning their own, as you just brilliantly stated, their own logic <laughs> against them. And, and of course, the, the humor of it is we know the atheist does exist. And so, yeah, yeah. Right. And so uh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I love it. I love it. In fact, I need to put that on my chair. Okay. <laughs> well, one of the evidences you used here for God existing is called the anthro or anthropic principle. Can you explain about that? Because I found that fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the anthropic principle, it comes from anthropology, meaning having to do with man, the study of man and man's origins, etc. But the anthropic principle, in my book, I I come at it from from a two-pronged approach. The first prong is what most people know as the anthropic principle. That is, when you look at the world, uh, the world in which we live, in fact, the world in which all 2 million to 20 million, depending upon who's counting species, uh, the only life we know in the universe so far is all in one ball, <laughs> floating in space, Earth, that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and so you look at life on Earth and you think, what does it take for, for that life to exist and to sustain itself? I mean, if we were just a little further away from the sun or a little closer to the sun, if the moon were a little further or a little closer, uh, if, the, if, if you took all the salt water of, of the earth away, well, the ecology would die. If you took, left the salt water, took all the fresh water of the earth away, the ecology would die. If you left all that, took all the plants away, no plants, never again a, a green plant. Well, we know that that produces our oxygen and carbon dioxide. You got to have it. The earth would die. If you took away all the insects of the world, the earth would die. Took away all the, all the bees, for example, the earth's going to die. Eventually, mm-hmm. it'd take a long time, but, but you, can, you couldn't have cross-pollination. Then all the plants would die. Eventually, everything would die. So you go through all of these different, what, what are called anthropic uh, constants, things that have to be in order for life to, to, to be on earth. 
You go right down and you say, well, take away all of the, uh, all of the animals. Take all the animals. All the animals. Well, eventually the, the earth would die because of the ecology. But watch this. Take away man. Okay, leave everything else. What happens to the earth? It's fine. Hmm. The, earth, the earth goes on. Every, everything is fine. Oh, so it appears then, logically speaking, that with all of these factors, these hundreds of factors that must be in place for life to go on, you remove any one of them basically and eventually everything winds down. But the one thing that you can remove and everything is fine is mankind. So it's as if man was not made for the earth, but the earth was made for man. Mm. And so the anthropic principle says it appears as though this whole thing was designed for the purpose of sustaining mankind. Now, that's one prong. The other prong is, look at mankind. Evolutionists are fond of saying that we're so similar since we evolved from a common ancestor from a chimp, uh, that we're so similar to other animals. We're not much more than just a souped-up gorilla. <laughs> and I and, and, and I said, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what they say. And and you know, no god, no intelligent designer. And I say to that, really, let's take a look at that. In fact, there's a whole chapter in my book about this. I say, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at man. When you really examine this, man is a universe apart from the from the next most intelligent creatures on the face of the earth. I mean, dolphins mm-hmm. and whales and chimps are fascinating creatures, and they're pretty intelligent. But, but, but the smartest chimp in the world doesn't hold a candle to a two-year-old human, <laughs> not only in their intelligence, but also in the world-changing capabilities that that two-year-old yes, can have as right. it matures and grows. A chimp, a chimp swings in a tree, eats bananas, and, and, and slings poo. Uh, and and, and that's, all, that's all they do. That's all they've ever done. Yeah. That's all they'll ever do. Humans, on the other hand, build space shuttles and go to space. We build spaceships and go to the moon. We build airplanes and you know, rocket ourselves around the planet. We build submarines and go under. We build cities. We build automobiles. We build interstate highways. We build internets and computers. We are as gods, with a little g, to the rest of the animal life on this planet. Humans are a universe apart from the next most intelligent living thing. How did evolution make that giant leap? Where in the world? I mean, humans, humans, and in my book, I have this list. We're the only ones that, and I go down this list and the list is astounding. It blows people away when they read it. They say, I never thought of this. Well, that's a huge evidence for, for people trying to grow in their faith and dispute the atheists. Is there other evidences that people can know God apart from the Bible then? Yeah. You, you mean, are there ways that people can come to know God if yeah. they don't ever have yeah, a Bible? Yeah, they never had a Bible. Yeah. They're yeah. in some, some rainforest somewhere, yeah. and, and they've yeah. got to come to know God. Thank Is you. there a possibility? Yes. Way? As a matter of fact, and I've got a chapter entitled something mm-hmm. along the lines of, uh, but what about those who have never heard? Yeah. Okay. A, a in other huge words, question. And yeah. So, so in other words, what happens to the, to the person living in the Amazon that a preacher never comes and, and opens a Bible and reads the gospel to them? And wonderful question, and that question is based upon a couple of false premises. First of all, it's based upon the premise that, well, all men are innocent from the beginning, and therefore uh, if, they, if, if, if they don't hear the gospel and they're sent to hell, somehow that's unfair. But we know the Word of God says that we're all born in sin in the first place. And yeah. so, so, but, but, but to get to the point of your question, are there ways that someone can come to an understanding of God apart from the Bible? Well, we know that the preaching of the gospel is God's main purpose, His main way 
his main design for, for men, women, boys, and girls to know him. However, we also know from that word that what well, Romans 1 says, that mm-hmm. we are without excuse. Man, the, the, the man in the in Amazon jungle is without excuse. Said so by the things that have been created, by go. the things that are made, we know that we're, there is a God and we're not Him. General Re- <laughs> Revelation yeah. it's yeah. called, right? General Revelation. So, yeah. so we know that just to begin with. But we also know, I think about Moses in the backside of the desert. I mean, God put a bush on fire for him and said, come here, Moses, I want to talk to you. Who are you? I am the Lord. Okay. I, the Apostle Paul, he was on his way to kill Christians in the name of God, outside the temple of God, thinking he, they had done God a favor. They crucified the Son of God. Paul was a Pharisee. Just a few years later, he was helping to stone Christians. He was on his way to kill more Christians. How's anyone going to reach him? Well, the Lord Jesus appeared to him struck him blind, struck him down on the road, uh, became one of the, you know, the, the greatest evangelist and missionary of all time. That's so, special revelation. Special <laughs> revelation. Thank you. Uh, yeah. we, we have angelic revelations. Uh, mm-hmm. So the bottom line is, here, here's the, the, the bottom line that I come to in my book. God can reach anybody, anytime, any place, any way He desires because He is God. In the end of all things, we leave that in His hands. Our responsibility, though, is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth with every means we have. But for somebody to make the argument, well, what about the person that never hears you preach? Uh, you know, that's not fair. I said, look, God's not limited by our, our limitations. So, Amen. So that's, Amen. that's my quick answer to it. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion with Carl Gallops, the author of this very insightful book, The Magic Man in the Sky. Carl, I, I want to ask you about a, a, a basic atheist argument, probably their basic argument, and that is they always say, if God really exists, particularly the God of Christians, the God of love, how in the world can He allow all the suffering and evil that's in this world? Right, right. Well, you know, that's kind of the question of the ages, I suppose. But here's what I say to the atheists. Okay, so you're going to say, you're going to use that as an attack against the God of the Bible. It's only fair then that we go to the Word and see what God says about that. And the general message from the Word of God about that question is this. I mean, we go, we, uh, uh, Job <laughs> can tell us about that. Uh, but, but the general answer to that is this. Look, the basis for evil in the world is man's rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. Okay? Whenever you take away the light of God or the truth of God comes in the darkness of evil. And so the basis of evil is found there. Now, God, through His magnificent wisdom and His plan of the ages, and this, this can be lengthy discussion, but in my book I, I deal with it, but, but he, he, he fits it all into His plan. He uses it. Evil is the drill instructor, if you will, of boot camp. Uh, uh, when, when a person goes to boot camp, the purpose is to come out on the other side equipped and ready in spite of the hardships they've had to endure. So uh, when, when mankind rebels against God, that opened the door for evil to come into the world. But God tells us that He wins, He triumphs, that the believer wins in the end. And that in the meantime, uh, he, he, this, it's, it's, it's a part of life. And the bottom line, when we come out on the other side, like Job, when at the end of everything in Job's miserable existence there for a while, he said, he summed it up like this. He said, you know what? Even if God slays me, yet will I serve Him. There you go. And so evil kind of becomes used in this whole process. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, the bottom line is 
Uh, evil is here because of man's rebellion against God. But God's going to fix it. He's going to He's going to take care of it all in the end. I've even had atheists say to me, well, if, if he really is a God of love, why don't he just annihilate evil immediately? And I said, well, that's fine. He would annihilate you and me. That's and right. That's I, right. I, and we would yeah. all be gone. Praise God, he, has, he hasn't. He has provided another way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Beautifully yeah. stated. Oh, yeah. boy. Now, the other day I saw a T-shirt on, on the Internet that said, God, where were you during the school shootings? He said, yeah. well... You wouldn't let me come in. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, he was there, but uh, we right. kicked yeah, him out of definitely. our schools. The question there is not where is God, but where are we? Yes. With amen. God. Yeah. Amen. amen. Yeah. Well, what about evolutionists who who say that evolution is proven? It's scientific <laughs> fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no disputing it because it's already been proven. Yeah. How do you respond? Yeah. Here's how I respond. No matter how loudly the ardent fulminating evolutionist screams that evolution is a settled science. It is not. Uh, mm. I have several chapters on my book that, uh, that proves that, I believe, irrefutably. But, but for the purpose of, of, of this audience and this limited time, the bottom line to that argument is this. Um, evolution is, think of, think of this, guys. Evolution is man's best answer to how we got here if you leave God out of the picture. It's the best in 10,000 years of human history. It's the best man's been able to come up with. I mean, think about that. Now, I want you, I want you to keep hmm. that in mind when, because when I start tearing it apart, you'll see how horrible that is. <laughs> but that's man's best answer. And they've couched it and wrapped it in this, this shell of a lie that says, and it's settled scientific fact. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You see. So, all right, but what I say to that is really, it's settled science. I say this, it's fascinating speculation because let's face it, if there is no God, and of course I know there is, but if there's not, then we had to get here somehow because here we are. So evolution is fascinating speculation. Let's speculate. Could it be that out of a magical sludge pond with a magical bolt of lightning, magical billions of years ago, <laughs> magically the first living thing came from nothing? And, well, that takes and, you a lot know, of faith. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. And, and so I'm saying that's interesting speculation. But that's not settled science. And as a matter of fact, I, I give many illustrations of how it's not settled science fundamentally, foundationally, how evolution uh, proposition is flawed. What's an but, example? I'd be but curious. the best example, I think, yeah. is the example of going all the way back to the origins, and I kind of touched on it. I give uh, uh, quote after quote in my book, and I give the references of, of modern-day, uh, well-respected scientists and evolutionists, people who have written books, people who have written textbooks, who will say something like this, and I'm melding it all together. Abiogenesis is the best scientific answer for how how we got here. Now, now I've got them quoted. Spontaneous now, generations, right? Well, I was going to say, as you know and as your audience knows, uh, that's just a fancy souped-up word for spontaneous generation. Old which medieval thought. Several, right? It's yeah. superstition. Aristotle brought it 2,000 years ago, and, and about 200 years ago, the works of Louis Pasteur, and he was building on the works of others. They proved that it's absolutely, not only is it scientifically impossible for life to arise from non-life, accidentally or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with intelligent input of scientists, we've not been able to do that. But not only is it impossible, but it's pure superstition. But that is the basis for origins slash evolution proposition today. So the foundation is flawed from the beginning to say that the way it all started was non-living material. And I'm going to use this word because they won't. And I, and I play it on my back. Magically, became living material without any intelligent input. Because see, the evolutionists will say, well, your Bible says that, that God brought life from the dust of the earth. Yes, but that was with intelligent, so, supernatural 
input. So what you're saying is that the people who truly believe in magic are those who have the scientific view. <laughs> and, I, and I turn this title of my book around on okay. them in the book. Absolutely. Yeah. Those that have the science, those that say evolution is settled science, they're the ones that believe in magic. In fact, they're clinging to nothing more than ancient superstition. Welcome back to our discussion with Carl Gallups, the author of the great book, The Magic Man in the Sky. One last question for you, Pastor Gallups. Yes. You had a chapter in here, last one, called The Ultimate Question. Right. What's the ultimate question? Well, thank you. Well, the book, to me, would not have been worth writing if it didn't end with this presentation. The ultimate question can be stated in many ways, but something like, if you were to die today, where will you spend eternity? Uh, and there are other ways to state that. That's the ultimate question. That's the ultimate question of life because we know that this life is limited, 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're blessed. And then what? Well, the Word of God tells us what. And, of course, my book is written to prove that that is the Word of God, that there is a God, He is the Creator, and that there is something beyond this fish pond. And so the ultimate question is, when you leave this fish pond, where are you going from there? And, of course, we now we know, of course, through the Word of God, that eternal life is offered only through a born-again relationship in Jesus Christ. Why don't you so speak right into this camera, Carl, and tell the people watching what they need to do yeah. in order to be a part of the family of God. Thank you. What you need to do to be a part of the family of God. Romans 10, uh, 9 says it succinctly, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then Romans 10, 13 says, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the gospel message is very clear, very succinct, very plain. We must understand there is a God and He is God and that He created you on purpose, with a purpose. Uh, you're not a souped up gorilla. Uh, you didn't get here accidentally. There's purpose, meaning, worth, and dignity for your life and that you can spend eternity with Him. But because we have a sin nature, that there must be a provision for our salvation. But God made that provision in Jesus Christ and that if you repent of your sin, call upon Jesus as Lord, uh, asking Him to save you. God says in His Word, again, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and God will save you. Well, Carl, we really appreciate you being on our mm -hmm. program. You've been a great blessing. Oh, and been, I'd like for you to look in that camera again and tell people how they can get in touch with your radio Thank program. You. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, the best way to find out everything about me, uh, the book, uh, the radio program, the church that I pastor, my ministry, our internet ministries, the P.P. Simmons ministry, all the videos we've done, it's very simple. Go to carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. You'll find everything there. We've got a Listen Live link when I'm on the radio, podcast. You can download all of our programs, hundreds and hundreds of videos. It's all right there at carlgallops.com. And Nathan, how about you telling the people how they can and get in touch with you and send the most difficult questions they've ever thought of in their life. That'd be Carl Gallup. That's right, <laughs> carlgallops.com. Yeah. Uh, you can go to lamblion.com and just go to the contact page. You can also contact us through our blog at lamblion.us and our Facebook group. Okay, thank you, fellas. I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, folks, uh, I'm afraid we've come to the end of this fascinating discussion with Pastor Carl Gallops, and uh, I just uh, hope it's been as much a blessing to you as it has to me, and I hope you'll be back with us next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking together with Nathan Jones saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Are Christians just kidding themselves? 
are believers wasting their lives serving an imaginary friend up in the clouds? And do Christians even have the courage to confront the hard questions about God's existence? Carl Gallup's does, and readers should be prepared for an inspiring journey in his blockbuster book, The Magic Man in the Sky. Gallup's directly addresses the doubts and fears of young Christians in a hostile culture, seamlessly combining insights from history, quantum physics, and scripture. To order The Magic Man in the Sky for a donation of $20 or more plus shipping, just call the number you see on the screen, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 